What's going on, family? Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. My name's Gerard Bonner. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you have had certainly a great day so far and that you are enjoying just all things connected to the world of pro wrestling. Shout out to all of you who have joined us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. We certainly appreciate that. We also appreciate those of you joining us by way of podcast, particularly those who have subscribed. Thank you so very much. And if you're brand new to what we are doing, welcome aboard. Feel free to hit that subscribe button so you can be connected as we are dropping new content. In case you missed it, we dropped an episode earlier this week. That episode dealt specifically with the return of Vince McMahon, all of its impending implications, and we definitely want to make sure you check that out in case you missed that. So today we're going to be spending some time talking about some fallout connected to Monday Night Raw, some of the things that we learned, and where things could potentially go here in 2023 in WWE and beyond. Speaking of beyond, I want to start the conversation today dealing with Mercedes Monet, the artist formerly known as Sasha Banks. So, of course, she made her massive debut about a week or so ago in New Japan Pro Wrestling at Wrestle Kingdom 17, where she confronted Kyrie, formerly known as Kyrie Sane, the IWGP Women's Champion, dropped Kyrie also launched a promo and really sent the world spinning. One of the big announcements that came from there was that she would be having a match against Kyrie Sane for the IWGP Women's Championship and that that match would happen at an event known as Battle in the Valley for New Japan Pro Wrestling. That's scheduled for San Jose, California. That's going to be happening in February. And so here's what's interesting. The venue that it's going to be at has a max capacity in terms of tickets of 2,152 tickets. Prior to this announcement, there were around 1,500 tickets sold. Immediately after this was announced, an additional 400 tickets were sold which means we're very close to a sellout if it's not already a sellout for this venue in San Jose this will be the first match for Mercedes Monet in New Japan Pro Wrestling and it'll be her first match since leaving the WWE back in May where she left as a WWE Women's Tag Team Champion. Many have argued over the response to Mercedes Monet and her promo. There's been a lot of explanation that I do want to remind folks again that the culture in Japan is very different. And there were a lot of factors going into what we saw with Mercedes Monet and her debut in New Japan Pro Wrestling. One of those factors being that Wrestle Kingdom 17 was the very first event for New Japan where their fans were legally allowed to vocally cheer since the pandemic. Now, what you've got to understand is this. Japan has always been super careful when it came to COVID. New Japan went several months without even performing. When they did come back, they started with empty arenas, and then they came back to partially filled audiences. Those audiences all had to be masked, and they only were allowed to applaud. They were not allowed to vocally cheer. 
them not being able to vocally cheer has been going on since 2020 and just changed for the first time at Wrestle Kingdom 17. In addition to that, the appearance of Mercedes Monet was after the second match on the main card there for Wrestle Kingdom, which means that their fans still had not become accustomed to the freedom of being able to cheer. In addition, Right. There's a lot of factors going on. In addition, in New Japan Pro Wrestling, their fans do not go outrageous during promos. They actually are quiet and they give people an opportunity to speak so that they can hear what's going on. Now, one of the other things that's rumored is that the fans there in New Japan may not have actually even known who Mercedes Monet was. Now, I know that seems outrageous to some, but consider this. How many of you actually watch New Japan Pro Wrestling? Not too many. That's not a knock on our fan base. It is to say that just as many American fans are unfamiliar with some of the stars in New Japan Pro Wrestling or Pro Wrestling Noah or All Japan Pro Wrestling, there are folks in Japan who are not very familiar with what's going on with American wrestling. Believe it or not, many of the fans of New Japan Pro Wrestling don't necessarily watch WWE or American wrestling. So a Mercedes Monet showing up certainly is far different than, say, when Chris Jericho showed up. Of course, Chris Jericho, 20 plus years in the business, everybody knew who Chris Jericho was. Not necessarily the case with Mercedes Monet. Plus, you have to remember that folks who are fans of New Japan Pro Wrestling in Japan may or may not be following stardom as well. Understanding all of these things, you also, I think, have to understand that I believe that New Japan signing Mercedes Monet had far more to do with creating international interest than there was interest there in Japan. So really, long story short, the Mercedes Monet introduction in New Japan Pro Wrestling was not for the fans in the arena. It was for everyone watching on NJPW World. It was for all of the bloggers in the United States. It was for all of the podcasters. It was the kind of news that would be an international incident. Just like, believe it or not, in Japan, it was a massive deal when Shinsuke Nakamura left and came over to WWE. It was a big deal for hardcore fans in America, but most of the fans in America did not initially know who Shinsuke Nakamura was, or better yet, most of the fans in WWE. So I say all of that to say Mercedes Monet, her debut was for us, not for them, which is equally why her first match will be here in the States and not necessarily in Japan. So. I felt the need to explain all of that, which also explains why literally 20% of the tickets that were available immediately sold after the announcement of this match here in the United States. It wasn't folks in Tokyo buying those tickets. It was folks here in the States who wanted to see Mercedes Monet. So I think once we understand that, we can better digest what we saw last week with Mercedes Monet and her debut in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Remember, again, it was for us. It wasn't for the folks there 
in Japan. Understanding that this match is going to be incredible. Understanding Kyrie's influence in both Japan and America, it's going to be a major match. Of course, lots of American fans are familiar with Kyrie Sane from her work in NXT to her work in WWE, and you may have even caught her work in some other places as well. But really exciting matchup. I don't recall, I don't know if there was a singles match before between Sasha and Kyrie over in WWE, but for this to happen in New Japan is major, considering again the relationship, the newfound relationship between New Japan Pro Wrestling and stardom so this is exciting stuff and i'll uh, certainly will be giving you more information as we get closer to battle in the valley which will be happening in february in san jose and it will be available on pay-per-view now then i want to dig into some things that happened from monday night raw which involve both the women's division some interesting new potential storylines that are happening and some things that are developing at a very interesting pace. We'll dig into that when we come back. It's me, DDP, the king of Bada Bing, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time, three-time, three-time world champion and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. You're listening to The Faction on Bonafide Radio. And that's not a bad thing, that, my friends, it's a good thing. Bang! I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But that I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me, if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. Hey, wow. How about that? Oh. The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here for a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine, COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win, there is a you, there will always be the S-H-W. 
it's the Mac Militant. Coming to get it on. Uh, uh, uh. Hey, what's up, players? This is Teddy Dawn, and you're listening to The Faction on Bonafide Radio. And that's real talk, players. Holla, holla, holla. All right, guys, we are going to talk some spoilers of Monday Night Raw. So if you've not watched Monday Night Raw, you might want to hit pause on this podcast, then go watch Raw and then come back. If you're not worried about spoilers, if you watched already or if you're familiar with results, then no worries. Continue listening to this podcast. I first want to spend some time talking about Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss had quite the response last week when it seemed as though she was interrupted by Bray Wyatt. She snapped. She ultimately ended up really causing some damage there to Bianca Belair, such that Bianca Belair was not on the show this week. We were all looking for an explanation from Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss interrupts the commentary team to tell the world that She is fully in control, that she is evil, that she is happy and fully in control of who she is, that people don't need to be worried about Uncle Howie or Bray Wyatt. She's the one they need to be worried about. Then all of a sudden we get an interruption. The same kinds of interruption we've been seeing for Bray Wyatt is now happening for Alexa Bliss. And then we see the entrance of Uncle Howdy. So things are getting very, very interesting. Now, I'm going to say this. I know that many wrestling fans right now do not like the pace of this story. They feel as though it is too slow. They feel as though we don't have any action happening in the ring and they don't understand what's going on. I've even heard in some outlets that people are upset that this storyline is crossing brands, that it's happening on Raw and SmackDown. To that, I say that really in 2023 and certainly toward the end of 2022, there has not been as much brand allegiance going on. Think about this. The last few Survivor Series, probably the last five to maybe six years, have all been about brand supremacy, Raw versus SmackDown. And we would see that whether they were Survivor Series matches, the traditional ones, or champion versus champion. This year at the Survivor Series, things took a completely different toll as stories were told inside of war games and there was no brand supremacy represented in fact if my memory serves me correctly most of the survivor series was built around some of the happenings on monday night raw but there were no interbrand types of movements in terms of matches let's further that argument and say this for those who are upset about what's been going on with this ongoing story with bray wyatt uncle howdy etc have we forgotten that things that are happening with the bloodline happen to be across multiple brands now some might say hey you know you've got roman reigns he's the universal champion champion of both brands you've got the usos who are tag team champions of both brands okay so there's that But there's also Sami Zayn, who is a champion of no brand and whose allegiance lies with both the Bloodline and SmackDown. We've also seen Kevin Owens moving over to SmackDown and making some moves over there, even though he is officially a raw guy. I think we're going to have to go with the flow. 
if the WWE at this point is not stressing brand supremacy or brand loyalty, then I don't think that we have to really beat ourselves up about it. You know, they've stopped the brand specific pay-per-views that hasn't happened in a long time so yeah i don't know that there's that big of a deal we've seen the brawling brutes make their way over to monday night raw we've seen all kinds of things so this isn't that alarming to me the pace of this isn't alarming to me either and here's why i like long-term storytelling i don't like the idea that, you know, a person debuts in one week and everything we want to know about them, we find out by the next week, then we have nowhere to go. I am for this long term storytelling. We already know that we're going to be getting a match at the Royal Rumble with Bray Wyatt against LA Knight. It's going to be a wild one in a pitch black match. I don't know what that means. I don't know if this is going to be cinematic. I don't know what we're going to be getting, but we're going to be getting something. I also am actually quite appreciative that Bray Wyatt is nowhere near the championship picture. You know, it kind of reminds me of when you're dealing with these characters like The Undertaker and the like, there's not necessarily a need for them to be champion. There's not a need for Bray to be champion right now because there's such a complicated storyline that's happening with him that having a title right now confuses things. And then there's this one piece that nobody's really talking about, which is whomever it was that came to the ring beside Bray Wyatt a couple of weeks ago and then ultimately turned on him and hit him with a sister Abigail, uh, I'm not convinced that that was Uncle Howdy. I'm convinced that that's someone else in this whole thing. And if you'll notice, Uncle Howdy came out last night and he again did not come to the ring, which is what was consistent with the first presentation of Uncle Howdy. All of this to say, there's much more story to be told. And I think this is going to teach some fans some patience. And if you love this thing the way you think you do, pay attention to all of the context clues. Pay attention to the fact that for the first time, we got a look at Alexa's playground, which we hadn't seen in many, many moons. Take a look at the fact that there's something that must be going on with Bray and Alexa. And here's the big story for me. It was initially thought that Bray was the one controlling Alexa, but there now seems to be somebody over both of them. Gets very interesting to me. So I'm loving it. I love the little nuances. I love the long-term storytelling. And we'll see where this goes. And let's just be honest. There are a lot of people who are saying, I miss the goddess Alexa Bliss. Let's just keep a spade a spade. The most interesting version of Alexa has always been this darker Bray Wyatt-controlled version of her. I've liked that much, much better. And so we'll see what all of this means as time progresses. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't know that I was expecting to see the full interruption last night of Alexa Bliss by Uncle Howdy, of all people. I thought maybe by Bray and then his presence. This is this is this is intriguing stuff. There's a lot of places that it can go. I'll tell you one other thing that I thought was interesting. The main event was a tag team gauntlet match to determine the number one contenders to the Raw Tag Team Championship. So, pause 
full stop. Because when I first heard the term Raw Tag Team Championship used last night, I thought someone made a mistake, but they didn't. And so I need us to just kind of pick up on this and sit with this. The fact that the Raw Tag Titles are going to be up for grabs against the Usos says to me that we could be on our way to once again splitting those championships. That means at some point, and just imagine this, if there's mention of the Raw Tag Team Championships separately, then obviously there'll be a mention of the Tag Team Championships separately, which could then mean that at some point soon, Roman Reigns could just be defending the WWE Championship or the Universal Championship, and that could be one of the ways that we remove ourselves from this undisputed champion and that we keep Roman Reigns as, say, the Universal Champion and someone else becomes a champion of Monday Night Raw. And all of that actually could happen at WrestleMania. Can you imagine that? What if we end up in a scenario where we have two winners and one challenges for the Raw Championship and the other challenges for the SmackDown Championship, or excuse me, the WWE Championship and the Universal Championship? What if the winner of the Royal Rumble gets to choose not to go after the Undisputed Championship, but either the WWE or Universal Champion. And then from there, you have a number one contender situation happening at Elimination Chamber. I think there are all kinds of possibilities, but I think this is certainly a way to be able to return a world champion to Monday Night Raw if the tag team titles are looking to be split. And remember, the tag titles were unified after the WWE and Universal Championship. So I think all of that is very interesting. Last thing before we go, it seems as though there could be a reunion coming of the Hurt Business. This is exciting to me for a lot of reasons. Most of us never liked the idea of the breakup of the Hurt Business in the first place. But I think timing is everything. And with Shelton Benjamin just celebrating his 20-year anniversary in WWE last week and the incredible outpouring of love and respect for Shelton Benjamin, I think that there are people who are willing to say it's time to get the band back together. And I think this is another one of Triple H's great moves when it comes to creative speaking of that and I'll share this before we get out of here but before I do that let me just ask you are you for the return of the hurt business let us know right now on the socials at the faction show I ran across a piece of news that I want to share before we leave and that is this so there's this idea that's now floating out now it's from Dave Meltzer so you can take that with a grain of salt right But he has this idea that Vince McMahon could actually be contemplating working his way back into being head of creative. Now, how could that happen? Well, Vince has already made a statement that says he has no interest in, you know, meddling with what's going on with WWE. There's a great management team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Vince has always been most concerned about creative. And so the theory that Dave Meltzer has is that in negotiating the sale of WWE that Vince could include as one of the clauses that he has to be returned as head of creative. Now, again, it's Dave Meltzer. So not saying that there's merit to it, but it is a 
shrewd move if Vince ever decided to do that. Now, how he could do that, I don't know. We'll see. But all of this makes for a very interesting 2023 with Vince McMahon back in the picture. And there's a part of you that's got to wonder, would he ever be satisfied with just being on the board of directors? Let's get your thoughts on all of this right now on the socials at The Faction Show. Remember, NXT's New Year's Evil is going down tonight, which includes the NXT Championship match that will feature Grayson Waller getting his shot at the NXT Championship against Braun Breaker. And depending upon when you hear this, today being Tuesday, Mandy Rose is scheduled to have her first interview since leaving the WWE. That interview is on the Tamron Hall show. And so I'll be very interested to see what she has to say about that. And on our next episode, I'll be sure to make sure we talk about her commentary from there. And uh, yeah, what, if anything, we will have learned from Mandy Rose. All right, family, until next time, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. I am Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. I need my pain.